cross of Christ is a subject that we know well because as believers, we've studied this maybe when we first became a Christian or maybe we studied it in Sunday school. We could have had our moments where we've had maybe somebody that's discipled us and brought us through the subject of what it means to be saved in the details. This afternoon, I, I, I want to present to you the cross of Christ. But I bid this question, why the cross? Why the cross? Why, why was the cross used for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Scripture says it this way, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. In other words, the message that I'm preaching to you this afternoon to the lost, to the unbeliever, to the non-Christian is nothing more than a foolishness. It's a, it's a silly idea. It's to them that perish a foolish subject and a ridiculous message and they think to themselves, why do they keep on talking about this? That's why the Apostle Paul said concerning the cross over 2,000 years ago, it's foolishness to them. Because he was reaching out to people that did not believe in Jesus Christ, specifically being a Messiah. And so with that being said, still today, we are dealing with the same situation. And still today, the cross is nothing more than a religious relic, an undermined idea, a mockery to the world. And that makes it very difficult for us as believers to give the truth because we want them to see past the religious ideas that have been presented by these different denominations and different ideas of different religion, religious organizations. I want you to consider this, the tabloids, the media, the atheists, the universities that teach a, a humanistic doctrine or idea. Do they not declare that the cross of Christ is nothing more than a religious narrative, a fictitious story that the Christians developed and created or believe from a book that was written over 2,000 years ago? That we get all excited about the idea that there's a home in heaven for us, you know? I mean, imagine that, a home in heaven. How fictitious is that? We, we, they're fully convinced that we have created this idea to relieve us of the pressures of death. We celebrate Good Friday and the crucifixion, and then we celebrate even more the resurrection on Easter. And all of that to them seems to be ridiculous. Galatians 5.11 says it this way. It describes the preaching of the cross as an offense. Why is it that unbelievers find offense to the cross? The word offense means to be aggravated, upset, in dismay, or offended. Why is it that the cross, according to Paul, and even today, is offensive to people? You know why? Because the cross shows us that there is only one way into heaven. The cross bypasses all religious ideas and all doctrinal ideas that are outside of Jesus Christ. It is the cross that shows us that the forgiveness of sin, salvation, and it's the gospel that shows the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Gospel just simply means the good news. That Jesus lived, He died, but hallelujah, He rose again. You don't know? It didn't end in the grave. This bothers people because it reveals that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. I want to reach in the lives of people and show them the truth. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen right here in the community that there's, there's Muslims that are just seeking truth. They're seeking truth, and they think they have truth. 
Not too long ago, I was right out here talking with one of the guys, and he's a younger Muslim guy. His heart was so sincere. He said, me and you are pretty much the same. Our doctrine, our ideas are the same. He said, but here's the thing. Your gospel is obsolete. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the highlight of the cross and what Jesus Christ did. And he said, but we're pretty much the same. And I said, things that are different are not the same. Your gospel is different than my gospel. Therefore, they are not the same. I, I serve the Jehovah God. You, you do not serve the Jehovah. You serve Allah. That is different. And therefore, our gospel is not the same. That becomes offensive because now you are saying there is only one way into heaven. There is only one way of salvation. But that is why the people of the world around us, if 8 billion people have been searching for an answer, but when they hear the truth, they get offended by this idea that there's only one way. Because the cross declares the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Christ that declares the offenses of men, our sins. It literally highlights through the crucifixion where we are in our condition. Through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the need of mankind's salvation is revealed by what Jesus Christ did. It was not the words of Paul that convicted people. Paul even said, I, I didn't come here to preach. I came to preach, excuse me, I didn't come here to baptize. I came to preach the gospel. And he said, I didn't come here to do it in such a way that sounded like words of wisdom from my point of view. He said, if I did that, if it was about me and these wonderful, beautiful ideas of what I think the words should be, then it would be all focused on me. I came to present the gospel. And I came to give the truth and the brutal truth of the gospel, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. If I was to be politically correct, I would always bypass the brutal truth of the gospel, which is the cross. But I was not called to bypass the truth of the cross. We are to face the reality, just like they had to face the reality of the cross over 2,000 years ago, when it cried out to those people at the crucifixion. You see, it cried out to Pilate the judge of Jesus on the day of the trial. It cried out the offenses of his cowardly leadership, but yet Pilate still paraded Jesus across the stage and said, behold the man. But yet three times he said, I find no fault in him. But it was the cross of Jesus Christ that he rejected. The reality that he was the Messiah. And then if you were to destroy this temple... It would be raised up again. He rejected that. The centurion, the captain of the Roman army that tortured and crucified Jesus, he rejected the truth that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah. And the centurion denied it even though he knew it. And he actually watched Jesus and all that he did throughout his 33 and a half years. Specifically, the three and a half years before he died. Because he was an older centurion, he was aware of who this person was. But yet it wasn't until he stood at the foot of the cross and declared, surely this is the Son of God. That's when the cross convicted him and he believed and confessed. It was the cross that cried out to the thief on the left side and the thief on the right side. And said, it is I, the Son of God. And it highlighted the fact that he was innocent. And one railed against Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God, then save yourself and us too. But the other looked at him and said, how can you say these things? Do you not see that we are in the same condemnation as this man? And then he looked at Jesus and he said, 
Lord, remember me when thou enterest into the kingdom. It was the cross that confronted the sins and brought him to repentance. It is the preaching of the cross of Christ that changes people by convicting them of their sin. Conviction is not guilt. It is not your conscience. It's not this idea that I'm feeling bad for what I'm doing. Conviction is when God speaks to your heart and says, this is wrong. You are in a condition that is contrary to what I have preached and taught, not just through my son Jesus, but through the word. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that reveals the truth of Christ, the hope, and gives us conviction. It's the preaching of the cross. For centuries, it's disturbing to think that the symbol of the cross has been used for a means of identification in a powerful way. And sometimes it was used in identification in a powerful way by political leaders and religious extremists with the idea that claim supremacy or, or to produce fear or the idea of insecurity and convey anger. You think of the, uh, World War II and the swastika and how it twisted the cross. And the idea behind it was the supremacy and the Nazis pushed this during World War II. But it didn't end there. As we enter into American history, we saw that the cross was used to raise up fear in the community with racism as they lit the cross on fire in the Ku Klux Klan. When I was a boy, they were still doing it. All the way in the back acres of our property, I could hear them meeting and representing the cross of Christ in a way that it was never meant to be. But the cross was also represented in the right way. The Red Cross and the hope that we saw through that community outreach and that they were not only getting blood from people to help people, but they were giving truth at that period of time when the Red Cross first developed. The cross that was on top of, of, the, of the churches and the steeples to give an oasis for people to cry out, hey, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope, and it's here. The cross has been on millions of books, buildings, and even bodies with tattoos. It's a decoration. It's been on countless people's clothes and items and, and jewelry. It's been on gravestones. It's been on home decor. It's been on our walls. But at the same time, the reality of what the cross is all about has been bypassed by everybody. Even us. As believers, we become comfortable with the idea of what the cross is. There is no other instrument of death that is universally popular in these ways like the cross of Christ. So why did Jesus die on a cross? Why did God choose the cross over stoning? Why did God choose the cross over, over uh, the hanging or maybe even death by the sword? There is a reason. There's a reason. Because multiple people in this period of time were put to death by, the, by stoning. But for Jesus at this time, as horrific as it was, was chosen to die on a cross. So here's the reason for the cross. Is everybody with me? Yes, there is a purpose to the cross. The cross is a symbol of sin. Matthew chapter 27, as we read through, 15 through 23, there's the account of the trial of Jesus. It was the feast of the Passover. And on that time, the governors made a decision by history and by uh, tradition that they would release one thief, one prisoner. So Pilate... And all the guilt he was feeling did not want Jesus to be put to death because he could find no fault in him. He didn't want the blood of Jesus on his hands. So he brings before them Barabbas. And he brings before them Jesus. And he says, on this day, you can choose one to be released. Which one would you release? And the people cried out, Barabbas. 
Of course, Pilate is shocked by this. He declares, this is a notable prisoner. Why would you, not re why would you release Barabbas? He's a terrorist. He's an evil man. And they yelled even louder, crucify Jesus. We don't want only Jesus to be put to death. We want him crucified. And so, with that, Pilate declares, I found no fault in him. Three times. But yet the people keep on crying out, crucify him. Why? Because the cross was for punishment. To punish the guilty of sin. That was the purpose. The cross was a symbol of sin. This man is guilty. He needs to die. He should not be alive for what he's done. But yet, according to Matthew chapter 27, 15 through 23, regardless of the fact that this man was a thief and a, a criminal and a murderer, he was yet let loose. And this is the reason why. Because Jesus took our punishment just as he took Barabbas' punishment. You say, no, no, no. The people chose. Pilate chose. No. God was in control of everything then as he is now. And Jesus intentionally stepped in the place of Barabbas, who represents who we are. We are guilty of sin. You say, I've never murdered anybody. I'm not that kind of man. And when you tell others about Jesus Christ, they'll declare their righteousness as well. Right? They'll, they'll puff up and say, you know, I'm very good. I go to church. I'm consistent. I've been baptized. I hear that constantly. But the reality is we're guilty. John, John chapter, uh, James, excuse me, James chapter 2 and verse 10 says it this way. If you have sinned against one, any of these areas of the law, you're guilty of them all. Why is that? You say, well, I've never committed adultery. I've never murdered. What? If you've lusted, you're guilty of them all. Because it is, it's a reality for you and me to understand that there's nothing we can do that's good enough to get us in heaven. We're all guilty of sin. But the cross reveals that the guilty of sin are under the blood if accepting the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross was a punishment for the guilty. And we're guilty. But the cross... It's one of those things in our life that when we step back and realize that Jesus Christ, He was made sin for us, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He stepped into our place because He is a righteous God and He made a way for us. We begin to realize that we're guilty, but God stood guilty for us. He stepped in for us. You may say, I can handle it. I can handle my sin. You're going to meet people, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're sitting here and you accepted Christ. You're going to meet people that say, I can handle it. I don't need your religion. I don't need these fictitious ideas. I can handle it. If you want to call it sin, I can handle my sin. But can we handle our sin? Here's the reality. We can't. I've found people that try to work through their circumstances. I've, 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 I remember the day that I had to speak at Justin's funeral, a 15-year-old boy that hung himself in the barn. He was one of my teenagers because he thought he could handle all the depression and anxiety he was dealing with and never told anybody about it till the point that he finally said, I'm going to take my own life. You know why? Because sin is gruesome and sin is painful and it causes pain on other people. Which brings us back to the cross. You see, the cross was for punishment. Because it's a symbol of sin. The cross was also for pain. So in Matthew chapter 27, the Bible tells us in verse 26 that they scourged him and delivered him to be crucified. And then it goes on in verse 27 that the Bible says that they gathered around Jesus, this band of soldiers, stripped him and began 
to rail on him and began to beat on him and began to mock him. We know according to the scriptures right here in this passage that they mocked him, spit on him, and then would smite him upon the head with a reed, which is just a large stick. And the reed was smashing upon the very crown of thorns that was on Jesus' head. And then they led him away to be crucified. Why is this? Because the cross is a symbol of sin. And it shows punishment that has to be taken care of. But also it reveals the pain that we'll all experience. Jesus took it all. All of it. I can't even begin to imagine the scourging that Jesus went to through in verse 26 of chapter 27. I don't even, I can't even wrap my mind around that the, the items they would use, like the cat of nine tails that we've heard so many different times spoke on, that had just these different remnants from rocks to, to glass and to pottery and to these different sorts of things that would dig into the flesh of the convicts. Often they would strap them and let them dangle and they'd beat them until their bodies would rip in half. And sometimes they would strap them to a post and whip them from one side to the other and flip them over and over again. Their goal was to make sure he's dead before he even makes it to the cross. But Jesus wasn't your average man. He accepted the scourging and he handled it well. Jesus even describes, it's described in Psalms chapter 22 and verse 14 through 18. He said, I'm poured out. Like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melts in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a posture and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. He, he literally describes in the next passage of scripture that, that all his bones look and stare upon him in, chapter, in chapter, uh, Psalms chapter 22 and verse 17. What does that mean? He's literally ripped open. But not one bone was broken in the body of Jesus Christ by prophecy. And here he is being led out to be crucified. Why? Because it represents pain. There's punishment and there's pain because the cross itself is a symbol of sin. When we declare to other people the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need them to understand that it wasn't just this relic, this idea, this fictitious mentality that we have in, in, in a cross and in a, in a made-up Jesus that's sensitive and tender and he just did this simple thing. No, it's a brutal crucifixion that really truly took place. And the pain he experienced was to step in our place so we wouldn't have to experience sin. And I say this, it may not be the physical pain that we experience, but God has made a way through His Son Jesus to rescue you from the bonds of sin. Are you all with me? Yep. Do we really understand that? Because I feel stirred in my heart that I haven't fully grasped onto the fact that if I don't start leaning on Jesus in every aspect of my life, my marriage is going to be a train wreck. My kids are going to be a mess. I don't want to ruin my kids. I want to help my kids. i got enough problems in my life. Why would I want to make more problems in their life? Because sin is awful. It's horrible. And it creates pain and agony in multiple people's families. But the cross of Christ has made a way out. I will, I will say this. It is not just the cross as a symbol of sin, but it's also a symbol of death. According to Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, 50, and 51, we see the death of Jesus Christ. It was the ninth hour. And Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, as means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's my God to the Heavenly Father, my God to the Holy Spirit. Why did you turn your back on me? Because they could not lick on sin. It was unacceptable. And at that moment on the cross, he cried out to the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in verse 50, Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up the ghost. In that loud voice, he declares, to Telestai, it is finished. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing more that can be done. I mean, the work is done. And immediately, the Bible says, as you saw just before I began to preach, in the temple, the veil was rent that separated the common man from the high priest and his ability to step into the holies of holies. Because traditionally, at that time, nobody was across that line in the temple, that veil. Only the high priest could step in where Jesus or God was represented and present sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent, which means me and you and everybody we know has the right and the ability to go directly to Jesus or God himself through prayer. Jesus intervenes for us. It is the most powerful thought in understanding the cross being this symbol of death. But this is not just a physical death. It is, a, it is a, 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 a supernatural death that is represented by the replacement of, of God stepping in our place through Jesus Christ. We call it the substitutional death. What is a substitutional death? The only way to fully understand the substitutional death is to go back into the Old Testament when we found ourselves looking at the plagues of Egypt just before the final plague took place. And that was the time where the angel would pass over and the firstborn would die. You may know the story. Maybe you don't. But the children of Israel were asked to take a lamb without spot or blemish and sacrifice it and then take the blood and put it on the doorpost. This is where the Passover came about. Because the angel would pass over that home and leave them be and nobody would die. But that representation began to continue and we saw the demand for blood to be shed for the remission of sin. So they would take a lamb after the, 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 the children of Israel removed from Egypt and the victories were taking place. And they were so excited to be now in the wilderness wandering for 40 years. But during that time, they would set up the temple and they would set up the place of worship, and they'd still continue to bring the lamb to be sacrificed and the blood to be shed, to go into the Holy Holies and put and sprinkle it in, in place of those that were guilty. All that to say this, that lamb was the substitute, representation of the substitute for their sin. Somebody had to die, and it was the lamb that was chosen. And everybody didn't believe in the Lamb for forgiveness. They believed in the coming of the Messiah. In their heart, they know this represents who is to come. And we trust who is to come, being Jesus. And so this substitute now is Jesus, the final sacrifice. If you don't understand this, then you don't understand the gospel. You must understand this, or you can't give people the true gospel. And what is it? It's simply this. Jesus stepped into our place and was the final sacrifice, not just to remove the lamb from being sacrificed, but to remove the penalty of sin. So there was only one sacrifice needed, and it had to be God's son, because he was 100% man and 100% God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he, he, he became sin for us. He knew no sin. What does that mean? When Jesus stepped into our place, everything changed for us. Everything changed. It was no longer about maintaining some process, going to a temple and having sacrifice. Now, 
There is a spiritual death, not just a physical death, not just a, a substitutional death. Now we see a spiritual death because we have trusted what Jesus did. And now we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In other words, we weren't there with Jesus when he died on the cross. We didn't crawl up on the cross with him. But if we believe in what he did, he said, I am taking your sin to the grave. And that is a supernatural death. You see, we're all worthy of death and hell. One day when we die, we only have two places to go. That's even heaven. It's either heaven or it's either hell. The only way into heaven is the forgiveness of sin. And that's through Jesus Christ. It's very clear. Are you all following me? It's very clear that sin cannot enter into heaven. It's not that Jesus or God, I should say, is sending people to hell. I don't like you. I don't like you. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. No, it don't work that way. It's the simple fact that we in our sin nature cannot enter into the gates of glory. Because we are condemned. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to condemn us. We were condemned already. He came to save us from our sins. In other words, I'm not taking this lightly, but it's like he's providing us a ticket into heaven by simply believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and there is no other way. He lived, he died, and rose again the gospel, the cross of Christ. And by doing so and believing in your heart, the Bible says that our sin died with him. See, so what's happening is people are going through life carrying their sin with them. And one day we'll stand before God and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because you have never asked me to forgive you of that sin you're bearing. I've made the way. I've already done it. I've already, I've already become the sacrifice. All you have to do is repent and, and trust me. My dad, when he died a couple of years ago, me and my dad were never tight. In some ways we were, you know. My dad is a funny guy, was always funny, really funny guy. And I remember being so burdened for my dad because I didn't know his heart. I know he believes in the cross. I know he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. But saying you believe something and actually believing in your heart are two different things. And it was difficult because my dad wasn't one of those guys that we could just talk about spiritual things. We talked about things that were non-essentials. We didn't even talk about sports because neither one of us liked sports. But I remember just before my dad died how burdened, burdened I was. And I said, Dad, we were on the phone. I said, Dad, I just, I just need to know. Do you, have you trusted Christ with your life? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? And he said, Dave, I have, I have complete peace and I know for sure that I'm a Christian. I'll never forget that because that gave me peace. But my dad would have never walked through the pearly gates of heaven Unless he acknowledged with his heart before his mind that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he lived, he died, and he took our place so that we could have salvation. And we could have a spiritual life in Christ, a new life. See, when, when we become believers, the Bible says we have a new life in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You say, well, I still do some of the things I did before. The difference is, as a believer, you want to do what's right, so you're fighting with his wrong. Is everybody with me? The truth of the matter is the cross is there not just to represent the fact that it's sin, the punishment, the pain, but also <clears throat> the symbol of death, physical death, the substitutional death, and even the spiritual death. But this is very important. The cross is a symbol of hope. The world needs hope. The world needs hope. Everybody feels hopeless. You say, I feel pretty good. Do you? Do you? Because at times I look around and I even read the Yahoo News, which is the worst thing to do, or turn on the TV, which I never do and watch news. 
it feels hopeless. Who would have ever thought that the cross could bring hope? Tomorrow, I fear, what is the test results going to say about Logan Liuzzo, Tony's son, when they look in his chest to see if the cancer has grown, shrunk, or disappeared? What if it's bad news? I'm going to feel hopeless. You're a Christian. You shouldn't feel hopeless. Well, welcome to reality. I do feel hopeless at times. I feel defeated. I don't suffer with anxiety, but I find myself anxious at times, more now that I'm 44 than ever before. Life was easy when you're 12, maybe for some anyway. But the reality is, it is different now. I need hope. We need hope. We all need hope. And the world needs hope. They're looking for hope. Everybody you walk by is looking for hope. They're looking for an answer. But it's as if we consumed our idea that this is for me and me only. This, this truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that He lived, He died, and rose again. And I don't care to tell anybody about it. But you're the hope. Because you know the truth of the cross. And the cross is a symbol of hope because of the resurrection. If you follow scripture, it doesn't end in chapter 27 with a horrific scene where Mary's at the foot of the cross and he says, behold your mother to his brother. And the conversation takes place and then they take a spear and shove it in his side to make sure Jesus is dead. And then blood and water comes out, representing literally a physical broken heart, a ruptured heart. And then they take him down. And then everything changes. Everything changes in verse chapter 28 because there's the resurrection. Jesus already told them, I'm going to rise again. But I don't think it registered with them. So here's Mary and the women are showing up at the tomb. And I love this angel in chapter 28 of Matthew 5-7. through I love the way he says it. He says, hey, whoa, fear not. I know who you're seeking. I know who you're looking for. But he says, Jesus, the one that was crucified, he's not here. He's risen. And I love that he said, just as he said he would. It was like, let me just add this on for any of you that had doubts. Just like he said he would, he's, he's gone. He's risen. So go back and tell the others. And I'm sure at that moment he was really excited because he probably wanted to tell them himself because he heard the chatter. He heard the doubts. He heard the fears. Oh, it's over for us. We're the next to be crucified. But the angel declared the cross is a symbol of hope by showing the resurrection and the tomb was empty. I'm going to tell you, we have a new hope because of the resurrection. And it doesn't stop on Easter. It's something we declare every single day. When I get up in the morning, I have a purpose to get up in the morning because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's a new chapter every day. It's a new chapter every day. No matter what yesterday held, it's a new chapter for me to try better. To control my mouth, to control my thoughts, to control my appetite of eating everything that's wrong. Why? Because it's a new day and I am alive in Christ. Because of the hope of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Because it brought redemption. Not just the resurrection. It's because of the redemption. Redemption through His blood. Even the forgiveness of sins in Colossians chapter 1. Here we are. The truth. That is the gospel. That is the cross. That is what the cross represents. So next time you look on the side of a building and see a cross or walk through a graveyard and see a cross, remember it goes further than just this idea that we have created, that it's something fluffy and fun that Christians do to relieve their anxiety and their pressures of life, to think that there is another way outside of this world called heaven. No, it goes deeper than that. There's a truth. And the cross is symbolic and intentional by God the Father. Why the cross? What is the purpose of the cross? 
purpose of the cross of Christ is to give the gospel. We are to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.17 The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us, what is it? That are saved? It's the power of God. It's our hope. And we give other people hope. They'll either receive it or reject it. It's the preaching of the cross that draws men to Christ. You know why? Because he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Everywhere you go, lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that reveals the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the condition of mankind. So I want to do this. I want to do it different, okay? I want you to examine you and how you represent the cross of Christ. And while doing that, I want you to search your heart and know where you're at. Now, would I like to believe everybody in here is a believer in Jesus Christ? I hope so. I really do. I really do. I hope you can walk away with an idea of how to present the gospel to other people by using the simplicity of the cross. So let me close with the gospel, the purpose of the cross, by having you bow your head for just a minute. And quietly, without looking with respect to those around you, Every one of us, every one of us knows there's something wrong inside of us. You know it. We have a tendency within us that disrupts us. We long for victory over sin, sins of our thoughts and words and deeds. That's who we are. I want victory. I want victory. And the Bible reveals we're all born radically wrong. That's why we are born with these things that we always have to fight. We are born of a human race that has turned its back on God. There's something inside of this that makes it easy to do wrong than right. It's literally the gravity that pulls down when we, we want to rise up in our, in our spiritual walk. The problem is that something within us has died because of sin. Because, because of this, we can't, we can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. We have to be born again. We, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and our sins has condemned us to hell whether we like it or not. There must be a radical change within us. We know that we cannot change ourselves. I've tried. You've tried. We can't do it. It doesn't work. So, there's the cross. Why the cross? Because it was the cross of Jesus that, that Jesus became sin for us. He bore our sins and mine, yours. He made a way. He is the only man who went through hell on earth. He did it for you to cleanse you from the state of sin, to deliver you from the power of sin so that there wouldn't be anything between you and God. The cross of Christ took your sin and mine on the tree. The sin of pride, lust, hate, envy. Can you name one? So we come to this great conclusion this afternoon. That is, unless God does something about it, we are all condemned with no hope. And there is no hope for us to see the kingdom of heaven unless something changes. But here's the gospel. Here's the gospel we preach. The good news. The good news is that God loves us. The good news is we can tell everybody around us there is hope. And because He loves us, He is willing and He's yearning to undertake this great change for us. And because Christ had died and risen again, I have wonderful news for everybody in this room right now. I have news that you can give to other people, and that is, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you will repent and believe and confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that He lived, He died, and rose again, 
then he'd be willing to save you. And anybody you know and you encounter that is seeking Christ, he'll save them too. What does it take? It takes nothing. It's free. The cost of the cross costs Jesus everything, but us it costs nothing. It's paid in full. So I close with this. Are you ready? Are you ready to be a soul winner right where you're at and tell others about Jesus Christ? Or maybe you're not saved. Are you ready to accept the free gift of eternal life? So where you're at in your seat, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm specifically speaking to you. If you've based your decision on a prayer or emotions or a thought, then heaven is not your home. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can't do it on your own. So right now in your seat, if you're not a believer, would you just ask Christ in your life and say, God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ to save me. Forgive me. I, I, I know I'm a sinner. And I confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right now, for the first time in my life, I'm sincere from my heart. I'm, I'm confessing you and accepting you as my Savior. 